Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're in Chapter 9 of this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. The title of this chapter is, What is Gamma and How Does It Affect Me? All of Gautama Buddha's teachings in one way or another are coming back to this natural law of Gamma. Some people call it Karma. These are just two different languages. Gamma is from the Pali language and Karma is from the Sanskrit language. The Buddhist teachings are in the Pali language. That's the original source text. So people who source their teachings back to the Pali Canon will tend to use this word Gamma instead of the Sanskrit version of this word Karma. But it's essentially the same thing. And what I have to share with you today is going to help you to understand this natural law and really demystify this natural law. Sometimes we think of this as a very mystical or magical aspect of life or even maybe punishment and rewards. But you're going to hear today that the natural law of gamma does not have anything to do with punishment and rewards or this mystical magical cloud that might be following us around this word gamma is not able to be translated into one english word and that's the only reason why i still use this word every other word pretty much with Gautama buddha's teachings can be translated into the english language with just one word or so so I use those English words because it's much easier for people to understand when they learn in their native language or a language that they more deeply understand, maybe even as a second language. So by having the teachings in the English language, you can more readily understand them, instantly start to reflect on them and instantly start practicing them to see the results. But this word gamma, it doesn't really translate into English with just one word. So we need to have many different words. We need to have a conversation today, a real discussion about what is gamma and how does it affect you? Because in order to progress on this path and awaken the mind, you would need to understand what is this natural law and what is gamma. When we talk about awakening the mind, what we're doing is we're awakening to wisdom. We're gaining this wisdom to awaken the mind. It's wisdom that awakens the mind. And I talk about how we're awakening to these natural laws of existence. Well, in the real core of that is this natural law of gamma. What the mind is awakening to, what the mind is gaining wisdom about through walking this path to enlightenment is this natural law of gamma. So even though it's here in chapter nine of the book, We've really been talking about the natural law of gamma all the way throughout this program. And anytime you learn about the Buddhist teachings and even other teachings like Jesus Christ and others, they're talking about this natural law of gamma. 
Jesus Christ talked about you reap what you sow. This is the natural law of gamma. So as we talk today, you can keep in mind that this word that I'm using, while it's not necessarily one that is native to the English language, it is something that needs to be deeply understood and discussed and your mind needs to awaken to this wisdom in order to walk this path to enlightenment. And in order to awaken to this wisdom and gain this wisdom, you need to make sure you're not believing anything related to the Buddhist teachings or anything that I discuss. So when we talk about this natural law of gamma, you're not working to believe the natural law of gamma because belief actually doesn't even take any work. Belief just means, okay, I learned that stuff and okay, yeah, I will just believe it. But when you learn something, you reflect on it and you practice it and you independently verify the truth, this takes real work. And in order to progress on this path to enlightenment, you need to apply effort and energy. You need to do the work in order to be able to see the truth. And when you do that work to see the truth, then you have this wisdom and the mind becomes unshakable because you know without a shadow of a doubt what is true and what is false. When we operate through belief, we don't know what's true or false. This is why the mind can still be shaken up and it becomes discontent because the mind doesn't know what's true or false. It's just believing something. But when you approach this path through the understanding that you need to gain wisdom, and in order to do that, you need to learn, reflect, and practice in order to independently discover the truth. And through seeing the truth with your own eyes, then you have wisdom and you're willing to do that work. Now you know the truth. You've seen it with your own eyes and nobody can shake you off of that truth. You know it for sure. And that's why the mind can become very steady, stable, and content through walking this path because your mind has awakened to these natural laws, specifically the natural law of gamma. So thank you all for joining for today's class because as we progress here, I'm going to be sharing various aspects of this natural law of gamma and helping you to understand this through learning. But then you're going to need to do the work to reflect and to practice so that you can see the truth. And while we're talking about this in chapter nine, it's important to understand everything that we've been talking about, whether it's the three universal truths, the four noble truths, the eightfold path, the five precepts, and all the other things we've been talking about in one way or another, come back to the natural law of gamma. Even the three poisons that we talked about last week, you'll see is very crucial before we talk about the natural law of gamma. All these things needed to be shared with you in order to get you to the point where you're ready to really have this in-depth discussion about the natural law of gamma. And then going forward, as we talk in additional chapters going forward in this program and in this book, they're all going to be exposing you to this natural law of gamma. What the Buddhist teachings are doing is kind of like pulling back this sheet or pulling back this blanket slowly but surely and exposing to you more and more of this natural law because once you understand the wisdom of this natural law and how it functions in the world, now you can make decisions based on the wisdom of that natural law. That's the beauty. That's where the mind is in the darkness and it's unawakened and we make decisions without knowledge of this natural law. And that's why things sometimes blow up in our face or we struggle or 
we have difficulties. It feels like we're walking through the mud sometimes when we're trying to make decisions in the world because we don't understand the wisdom of this natural law. But once you start learning the wisdom of this natural law and you start pulling back the covers and getting more and more exposed to it and you independently see the truth for yourself, now with that wisdom, you can start making wiser and wiser and wiser choices that lead to more and more wholesome outcomes in your life. And that's where life becomes really quite enjoyable because instead of struggling through life, not understanding these natural laws, you actually have the wisdom of these natural laws and now you can make decisions in line with these natural laws. And that's the real beauty of how the mind awakens and then it no longer struggles and have difficulties in the world because you understand this natural law and you make decisions based on the wisdom that you've acquired through this natural law. So let's go ahead and talk about this. And as we go, of course, there's going to be opportunities for questions and I'll discuss how you can do that as we get going here. But first, let's just talk about generally what is gamma, just more kind of generally. We'll kind of talk about it and kind of get acquainted with this natural law before we go into some of the details of this natural law. The first thing to understand is that it's a natural law that exists and it's functioning all the time in every moment. The Buddhist teachings come back to this natural law in one way or another. It's always functioning, whether you're aware of this natural law or not, whether you have discovered this natural law or not, whether you're a human being, whether you're an animal or some other being, this natural law is always there. It's always functioning. Whether you're in a good mood or whether you're in a bad mood, whether you're thinking about the natural law of gamma or you understand the natural law of gamma or not, it's always functioning. It's kind of like gravity. If you think about the natural law of gravity, when you were growing up as a infant or a toddler, when you were one, two, three years old, you didn't know anything about the natural law of gravity. You had no idea what the natural law of gravity is, but it still affected you, didn't it? If you put your toys in the wrong place and they fell down and broke, hey, there's the natural law. It affected you. You had no idea what it was, but it still affected you. If you stood up and your shoes were untied or your legs weren't stable, you would fall right back down on the floor. At two years old, three years old, six years old, you didn't really understand the natural law of gravity. You just understood that, wow, when I stand up and I step on that string coming out of my shoe, I fall down and that hurts and I don't like that. And the mind then cries because it feels this pain, right? The mind is struggling. It's having these difficulties because it doesn't understand this natural law of gravity. The mind doesn't understand what it doesn't understand. But then gradually over time, as we became six years old, eight years old, 12 years old, 16 years old, our mind awakened we gain this wisdom of this natural law of gravity. And as we gain this wisdom of this natural law, life became easier. We started learning, like, be sure you tie your shoes every single time and make sure they're nice and tight. We learn to stand up on our feet and be really stable in our legs before we start walking. We learn to look down at the sidewalk and look for uneven surfaces and be aware that we walk more sure-footedly when we're in unstable areas. We learned various things about this natural law of gravity to the point where now as we age, we're able to roam around this world and travel anywhere we like. Even with riding a bicycle, we learned how to ride a bicycle and kind of 
make wise decisions about this natural law of gravity. And there's certain things that we will do and we know like, oh, that's safe. And there's other things we know like, mm, I'm not going to do that. That's not probably too safe for me. I'm not going to walk out there on that ledge at 30 stories above the surface of the ground. That's not a wise thing for me to do. So with this wisdom and awakening to this natural law of gravity, we now make better choices in the world and we don't struggle with the natural law of gravity because we've pretty much mastered that. But think about how many years it took us to get to that point. You know, it took us until we were 12, 14, 16, 18 years old before we truly were making wise decisions in every single situation where we no longer fell down and hurt ourselves as children growing up. Well, this natural law of gamma is the same way. It's going to affect us whether we know about it or not. And as we age and as we have these different experiences and we understand this natural law, the more we understand it, we can make wiser decisions based on this natural law of gamma that everything the Buddha taught comes back to. Essentially, what the natural law of gamma is, is this cause and effect or this action and result. It's the results of your decisions. So there's some cause, there's some decision that we make. And then there's a certain effect or a result or a consequence. So even though we use this word gamma, which isn't part of the English language, if I was going to translate that, I would say gamma is the results of your decisions. That's your gamma. So when we do wholesome things, when we make wise decisions, we're going to have wholesome results. When we make unwise, unwholesome decisions, we're going to have unwholesome results. But what are those wise, wholesome decisions? Because the more you understand what those wise, wholesome decisions are, then you're going to have a tendency to make decisions in that direction. And what are those unwise and unwholesome decisions because I'm not interested in going in that direction. That's going towards the darkness. So what the Buddha's teachings are doing for you is helping you to awaken to this wisdom so that with this wisdom, you can now make more and more wholesome decisions that lead to these wholesome results. And you can not make decisions that are going to lead to unwise, unwholesome results because that's going to cause havoc in our life. So everything that the Buddha taught in one way or another is coming back to this and every being is affected by the natural law of gamma, whether we understand it or not. And the more that we understand it, the more we can make decisions that are going to produce wholesome outcomes. There's no being or entity that oversees the functioning of this natural law of gamma. It just happens as a result of our own decisions our intentions, our speech, our actions, even our livelihood and things like this, as we make decisions in the world, there's going to be an effect. Whereas for very simple something is if we make decisions where we're polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to people, there's a tendency for us to experience those same qualities coming back to us. Whereas if we are impolite, unkind, unfriendly, and disrespectful, we're going to experience those kind of things coming back to us. We're going to experience unwholesome results. And there are situations where we can be perfectly polite, kind, friendly, and respectful, put that out, but the other person's mind is so polluted that you might get back from them this impolite, unkind, unfriendly, and disrespect. 
But the more that you understand this natural law and you know that you're putting out wholesomeness and you're making wise decisions, then you know with 100% certainty that you're practicing based on this natural law of gamma. And if you're putting out wholesomeness and unwholesome things are coming back to you, then you know that there's some challenges that this person might be having in their own life and maybe their mind is a bit polluted with a lack of wisdom or moral conduct or mental discipline but by and large when you're functioning based on this natural law of gamma you will see more and more relationships in your life just blossom both personally and professionally because you're not causing any harm when we cause harm and we put harm out through our intention speech and actions that harm is going to come back to us but when we put out wholesomeness, this polite, kind, friendly, respectfulness through our intention, speech, and actions, then that's what will come back to us. So there's no being or entity that's dishing out these punishments and rewards as we go through life. It's just this cause and effect. It's almost like dominoes, that if you lined up a bunch of dominoes and you pushed one forward, well, then it's going to put pressure on the other one, and that's going to push forward. And then that's going to put pressure on the next one and it's going to push forward. And there's the sequence of events that are going to happen based on the cause or based on the action. And then we see some sort of effect or some kind of result. So if there's any punishment or rewards, it's not being dished out by any particular being or any particular entity. If there are any punishment or rewards, we're essentially doing it to ourselves because when we're unwise about the natural law of gamma and we make unwise decisions, then unwholesome things are going to come back to us. So we're essentially could be thought of as we're punishing ourselves because we're lacking the wisdom of this natural law and we're putting out this harm in the world. So therefore, harmful things are coming to us. But by us making the decision to investigate these teachings, taking the effort and energy to do so. And now when we learn this wisdom, we can make wise decisions and now wholesome things are going to be happening for us. And we'll see more and more improvements in our life because we actually have free will and we have the ability to make wise decisions that lead to wholesome results. So we're not being controlled by any particular entity and there's no entity that's dishing out punishment and rewards. It's all about our own personal decisions, our own free will decisions that are leading to some sort of result. So this natural law of gamma, it's not a mystical, magical, dark cloud that's following us around. It's not, you know, lightning bolt if you do something unwholesome or sunshine if you do something wholesome. There's no mystical, magical aspect of gamma. Gamma doesn't need to be feared because there's no entity that's actually punishing you or rewarding you. The only time that someone might fear gamma is if they don't understand the natural law of gamma. If you don't understand the natural law of gamma, you might fear it. And that's typically where people will have fears when they don't understand something. They will oftentimes have fear because they have this craving for things to happen in a certain way. So it will produce this fear because they don't have the truth. They don't understand the wisdom. The mind is in belief. So if you get rid of this magical, mystical aspect of gamma and understand that it's not that, that it's just this cause and effect or this action and result, essentially the results of our decisions, then you can understand that you have the full ability to gain the wisdom of this natural law 
and then you can apply those wise decisions and experience better results. Just like you learned the natural law of gravity and you gained that wisdom and you made wiser decisions that produced better results. There wasn't some being that's controlling the natural law of gravity, forcing you to fall down or forcing you to fall off your bike. It was a result of our own decisions. We didn't tie our shoes, so therefore we tripped and we fell. The cause was we didn't tie our shoes. The effects were that we fell down or we got on a bicycle for the first few times and we weren't able to balance. That was the choice that we made to get on that bicycle. And because of that, not having the wisdom of how to balance, we fell down. There wasn't a being that forced that to happen. We weren't being punished for that. There wasn't a mystical or magical dark cloud that created us to fall down. It's just because our legs weren't strong enough. We didn't have our equilibrium. Maybe we didn't tie our shoes. But when we started learning these things slowly but surely, we then started making wise decisions to start practicing and making our legs stronger. We started getting a better equilibrium. We started tying our shoes more and tying them tighter and making sure that maybe in some cases we got rid of shoelaces and we just went to Velcro or something like that. But we started making these wiser and wiser choices as we started tripping over our feet and making mistakes these mistakes showed us that we didn't understand the natural law of gravity, therefore we gained this wisdom. Well, what Gamma is doing is it's kind of like the best, most unbiased teacher, that it's going to show you exactly where you're not making wholesome decisions. And if you understand this natural law of Gamma and you see that everything, every single thing in your life is happening based on decisions that you've made, and you can read that and then understand how to clean up your gamma and how to improve your life and how to improve the decisions. Whereas if you felt like you weren't in control and all of these things are just happening to you by chance, then you're not in control. You have no ability to improve your life because everything's based on good luck or bad luck or punishment and rewards of this other entity. But if you discount that and you get rid of that realizing that that's not the truth that every single thing in your life is a result of your decisions and you understand that and you see that more and more clearly through today's talk and then reflect and then practice these teachings so that you can see that to be the case then you can just make wiser and wiser choices to move towards this wholesomeness where you will experience better and better results in your life. So by accepting responsibility for everything that's happening and gaining this wisdom about this natural law, you'll now be able to make wiser and wiser choices to improve the condition of the mind and the condition of your life. One of the simplest ways to talk about the natural law of gamma is with this here, is just simple, very easy way to think about the natural law of gamma is cause and effect or action and results, the results of your decisions. It's really that simple. Your life, your decisions, your results. That's the way it is. It's just that simple. And when you understand this and you can see it with 100% clarity, then, like I mentioned, you can start being empowered to now gain the wisdom of this natural law, making wiser and wiser decisions that lead to more wholesome outcomes. 
So let me pause here and see what questions you guys have so far before we dive in a bit further. The way that you ask questions is you put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom in the comment section. Our moderators will see that. Be sure your question gets asked during the class. Or if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand to ask any questions or follow-up questions. Hi, David. So given that there is an overseer and that this isn't about rewards and punishment, is comma like many other parts of the path essentially a message of, of empowerment over our own lives? It's a message of empowerment or a message of self-responsibility. Even though there is no self there, as we talk about with the universal truth of non-self, but it's self-accountability, it's self-responsibility. Everything that we do leads to some result. It's our decisions. If we just take something simple, if we ate potato chips and pizza and other type of food that maybe isn't so healthy for us, if that's all we ever ate in our life, you know, snack cakes and cupcakes and chocolates, and these things are great. You know, we can eat these, you know, on occasion, but if we just always ate this food and we never ate any rice or potatoes or vegetables or things like this, well, the result of our decisions is that we're probably going to be overweight. We might have diabetes. We might have a heart condition. We might have cholesterol problems. Uh, we might have problems with our skin that this food hasn't really produced healthy skin or healthy hair, healthy nails. That's the results of our decisions. So it's self-accountability, self-responsibility. If we go around talking negativity or hostile or aggressive to people, being impolite, unkind, unfriendly, and disrespectful, then the result is that the people around us and the people that we interact with, our life partners, our children, our personal friends, our colleagues at work, they get used to us talking this way to them. And this is the way they're going to talk to us because we teach others how to interact with us based on our own actions, based on our own intention, speech, and actions. People are learning from us every moment how we interact in the world, and then they're going to interact with us in that same exact way. So this is self-responsibility, self-accountability. You can think of it as empowering as well because once you realize that everything in your life is a result of your decisions then it's just a matter of learning this natural law gaining this wisdom and making wiser and wiser choices in the world and with that said it's important to understand that the buddha didn't give us a decision tree where okay if this happens do this or if this happens do that that's not what he did. Instead, he's providing this general guidance, helping us to understand this path, awaken to this wisdom. And that's why I say oftentimes in any one given situation, there's kind of 10 million right answers. You know, practically, there probably isn't 10 million right answers. But I say that in terms of essentially helping you to see that there's always more than just one right answer in any given situation. And the more wisdom that you have about this natural law, that's where your personality and your character and your wisdom, your wise decision-making can come through. And then with that empowerment, with that self-responsibility, that self-accountability, knowing that anything you put out is going to come back to you, now with this wisdom of this natural law, you're going to make wiser and wiser choices to put out wholesomeness into the world because you're not interested in punishing yourself by putting out unwholesome and unwise decisions. In addition to coming back 
to us towards actions can kama also be returned to us toward feelings such as a feeling of guilt for instance absolutely discontentedness is one of the best indicators that there's craving desire attachment there and that's part of our gamma if you currently are experiencing discontentedness that's because the mind has craving desire attachment you haven't yet learned the wisdom of how to liberate the mind from craving desire attachment therefore this discontentedness that's coming back to you is based on craving and this craving is producing this discontentedness and that's an indication that's a red light on your dashboard of your car alerting you to hey you've got some things to look at here this is what i talked about with that unbiased teacher that that helps you to see that yeah you've got some challenges here to work out and you should investigate this or if you have a relationship with a life partner or an ex-life partner and you observe that there's a lot of hostility in the relationship well that's a result of your decisions that's the result of you choosing that individual that's a result of you having a certain type of relationship with that individual and that's the result of your decisions that there's this now hostile relationship but the beauty is is that this is all impermanent that's why the first universal truth is all about impermanence because if you understand impermanence and you realize whoa i do have a lot of hostility and aggression around me and i don't really like this and now that i'm learning about the natural law of gamma i can clean this up and that's what we're going to talk about towards the end of our talk today is once i teach you about the natural law of gamma i'm going to teach you how to clean up your gamma so that you can improve your relationships and while in the past you might have functioned in one way and you're experiencing a certain amount of hostility and aggression around you based on your own decisions now with this wisdom you can now make wiser decisions and lead to more wholesome results by cleaning up your gamma so even when we're experiencing discontentedness that's impermanent even when we're experiencing hostility or aggression in our relationships or whatever we're experiencing in life this is all impermanent so we have the ability to improve our condition of our mind and condition of our life because of this universal truth of impermanence while the mind oftentimes doesn't like impermanence right the unrelated mind does not like impermanence it craves for things to be permanent one of the things that i share with people once you learn the universal truth of impermanence you can actually embrace it and actually use it to your advantage because if you're in a hostile relationship and it's one that you would like to kind of clean up and sort out well if you understand impermanence then you can kind of use it to your advantage and realize that what you're facing in this relationship or what you're facing in your career or your profession if you observe some unwholesome things or some things that you would prefer not to happen right away a wise being knows that okay this is impermanent it's just a matter of me applying wisdom and with the right wisdom i can apply wise decision making here to improve this situation and that's where the real empowerment comes in that you're talking about james thank you david let's get a boss in there thanks james i have a question from quarantine what if one go through a very difficult situation as violence from someone or parents is that situation happening because of our decision to come and incarnate in this family or being around these people and then for more precision my question concerned mostly child abuse 
Yeah, everything that we experience is a result of our decisions. I'm going to talk about and use the Buddha's words and help you see how there's such thing as new gamma and old gamma. And the family that we're born into is our old gamma. It's based on our previous lives. And based on the decisions that we made in those previous lives, we're going to be born into a certain family in this life based on those previous decisions. And if we experience things as a member of a family where our family lacks wisdom and we encounter some kind of abuse, this is a result of our decisions. It's not punishment. Always keep that in mind. It's not punishment. It doesn't mean you that you deserve this abuse. That's not what the natural law of Gama is saying at all. But as a result of our decisions from our past lives, we were born into a family that lacks wisdom and moral conduct and mental discipline. Therefore, at age five or eight or 10 or 12 or what have you, we experience some sort of aggression or hostility or abuse. And this doesn't mean we deserve it. This is not punishment for the decisions we made. It's just that as a result of our decisions that we didn't attain enlightenment on our last life, we are experiencing a new rebirth. But at least it's in the human realm. And now we have the ability to drastically improve our life. And now that we have been reborn, based on the decisions we made in previous lives, we're going to be reborn into a certain family as a result of that. And we encounter certain challenges that we encounter in this world based on sometimes our old gamma, which we'll talk about today. But then the beauty is, is that we can create new gamma based on new decisions with the wisdom of these teachings. Thanks, teacher. No more question. All right. So let's use some of Gautama Buddha's words in order to understand just a brief little bit, a little one aspect of gamma. Because remember, pretty much everything the Buddha talked about is related back to the natural law of gamma in one way or another. But I would like to just kind of highlight some certain aspects of gamma to help you understand and use the Buddha's words and help you to understand that. So what the Buddha is sharing here, and this is a very famous quote of his, he says, beings are the owners of their gamma, the heirs of their gamma. They have gamma as their origin, gamma as their relative, gamma as their resort. Whatever gamma they do, wholesome or unwholesome, they are its heirs. So what you can glean from this is that anything that you experience is based on your decisions other people can't create gamma for you. It's not possible for someone else to create gamma for you. You can make a decision to be friends with somebody who's then into unwholesome things and their unwholesome decisions affect you because you're riding in the car with them and they happen to do something unwholesome that maybe you get in a car accident or maybe you get pulled over by the police and they're put drugs under your seat or something like this. But that wasn't a result of their decisions. That's a result of your decision to associate with this individual. So it's important to understand that other people cannot create gamma for you. It's only you that can create your own gamma. That's why beings are the owners of their gamma. They are the heirs of their gamma. They have gamma as their origin, gamma as their relative, gamma as their resort. Whatever gamma they do, wholesome or unwholesome, they are its heirs. 
That particular statement in this next one helps you to understand that not only do you create your own gamma, but you can't run and hide from it. It's impossible for you to escape the unwholesome gamma. And it's also impossible for you to not experience wholesome results when you learn the wisdom of these teachings and you put out wholesomeness into the world. It would be impossible for you to continue to do all these wholesome things and make all these wholesome decisions and not experience the wholesome results of those. So when we do wholesome things, we will experience the results of those wholesome things. And when we do unwholesome things, we will experience the results of those. But the goal is to gain more and more wisdom of these wholesome and unwholesome things so that we can make decisions towards the wholesomeness, walking towards the light, and we can leave the unwholesome and the darkness behind. So not only do you understand in this first statement that you're the only one that can make gamma for yourself, you're the only one that can create it, but you can't run and hide from it either. And that's what this second statement is helping you to see too. The Buddha says, the result of gamma, I say, is threefold to be experienced in this very life or in the next rebirth or on some subsequent occasion. So when we do certain things in this life, either wholesome or unwholesome, we are going to experience the results of those in this life or in our next rebirth or on some subsequent occasion, meaning we might be born three, four, five, ten, 10, 100, 500,000 times you know, in the future, and we will experience the results. We can't run or hide from our gamma. So that's why it's really important to really clamp down on any unwise, unwholesome decisions because anything that you put out in the world, you're going to experience the results of that. And that's why it's really important to build this wisdom so that you gain the wisdom of this natural law and you can produce more and more wise decisions leading to wholesome results and clean up your life or clean up the results that you experience in this life. There's essentially four types of gamma that you need to understand in order to progress on this path and to really experience enlightenment. There's wholesome gamma and unwholesome gamma. There's old gamma and there's new gamma. So we're going to talk about these and be sure that we use some examples to help you understand these. And I'll pause to see what questions you guys have before we move on from here. So there's this wholesome and unwholesome gamma. The wholesome gamma is going to be based in harmless actions or harmless speech or harmless intentions. And I'm going to explain some more detail about this, but just generally think about harmlessness. If we have that right intention, that second step of the Eightfold Path, where the Buddha teaches to have the thought or the thinking or the intention of harmlessness, that's why that's there, is that if you have the intention of harmlessness and you're not interested in harming other beings, even this being that you currently inhabit, this physical body or this mind, if you practice in a way that you're not interested in causing harm, then that's going to lead to wholesome results. Whereas if we practice in a way that we're interested in causing harm, being harmful, that's going to lead to unwholesome results. So for example, let's just take something simple. If we're interested in harmlessness as it relates to our own physical body, 
then we would be sure that we're eating foods that are healthy and wholesome for us and making sure that we make a habit of eating good, wholesome, quality foods. And of course, we're going to have chocolate. We're going to have ice cream. We're going to have other foods every once in a while if we like. Some people do that. Some people don't. But if you do, you might do that occasionally. But if you do that continuously and on an ongoing basis, then we're going to experience the results of those decisions. Because if we know that food is bad for us and we continue to eat it, then we know that we're causing harm to this physical body and we shouldn't be making those choices. Those are unwise, unwholesome decisions that are going to lead to unwholesome results. So by us improving our interest and our intention to only practice harmlessness as it relates to our own physical body, not only will we maybe clean up our diet a bit and kind of look to eat a little bit healthier food with occasional treats here and there, we might also choose to eliminate something like substances that cause heedlessness. Where if we understand that substances that cause heedlessness are creating this deluded mind where we can't have awareness of mind and it lacks attention or alertness and our mind becomes careless and thoughtless, then if we're going to make a wholesome decision that leads to harmlessness of this being and others, then a wholesome decision would be, okay, let's not take substances that cause heedlessness, for example. Whereas if we do take those substances and we experience headaches or dehydration or we throw up and vomit if we have too much of that, or we lay in bed all day because we have a headache from taking substances that cause heedlessness, or if we start having trouble in our personal and professional relationships because we end up going to these substances so frequently that it affects our personal and professional relationships, well, that's the unwholesome decision. That's a harmful decision that we start to indulge in these substances that cause heedlessness and now they start diluting the mind where our mind doesn't have this attentiveness, this alertness, this attentive mind. So therefore, we start wreaking havoc in our life by making unwise decisions in our personal and professional life. And then we experience the results of that. So these are just some very simple examples. The Buddha's teachings, as it relates to the five precepts, he's helping you to understand wholesome karma and unwholesome karma. When he talks about living compassionately, trembling for the welfare of all living beings, essentially refraining from killing, he knows that that is going to produce a certain amount of hate or ill will in the mind, and that has to reside there in order for someone to kill. So he's guiding you. Hey, you know, you would be wise not to kill other beings and live compassionately for other beings. He teaches about not stealing and not taking what is not given and accepting what is given and going into all the detail about not stealing and so forth like that. Well, that's all there to help you see the wholesomeness and how to not cause harm through our bodily actions. The same thing with sexual contact. That third precept is exposing you to how you can have sexual contact in a wholesome way and the types of things that would lead to harm or unwholesome gamma. Same thing with our speech, that fourth precept. He talks about lying or false speech or idle chatter and frivolous speech and things like that because there he's pointing you and guiding you and showing you how you can make wise decisions to produce wholesome gamma. 
not as rules or commandments, but guidance. That's what he's sharing with you. He's sharing guidance with you to help you understand how to make these wholesome and unwholesome decisions. And that fifth precept about substances that cause heedlessness, which we just talked about, same thing. It's guidance. He's not forcing you. He's not controlling you. He's not trying to fear you into practicing these five precepts because his mind's already peaceful. He's just saying, hey, if you're interested in experiencing the same peaceful mind, the same peaceful life, here's the way to do that. And here's the path to do that. Here's the five precepts. This is going to significantly reduce your unwholesome karma. This is going to lead to wiser and wiser decisions. And then here's this path, these eight steps, the eightfold path. And he goes through piece by piece by piece, exposing you to various decisions that you can make that will produce this wholesomeness. But he's giving you this as guidance, not as rules or commandments, but guidance that you can then practice. You can learn, reflect, and practice and see the truth for yourself that this does in fact lead to better results in your life. So always think about how to not cause harm to other beings and that is going to produce wholesome gamma. Whereas if you're being harmful, that's going to produce unwholesome gamma. And we're going to get into those two in more detail here in a minute. This old gamma and new gamma, this is based on the time frame of when you're creating the gamma and when you're experiencing it. Okay, so old gamma are the results of decisions that you made in the past. So if you're experiencing something right now, like we talked about actually just being reborn itself is actually old gamma. That because in our previous lives we did not experience enlightenment and we didn't attain that, then the decisions in those previous lives we're experiencing the results of that now in this life. That's our old gamma. Or if you had a relationship 5, 10, 20 years ago and you now have an ex-spouse, for example, and you still are in a relationship with them because you have children and you're having to deal with their hostility and their aggression. And while you've moved on and your mind has now gotten to a better place, their mind might not have. But you're still having to deal with that relationship because that's your old gamma. That's decisions that you made in the past in terms of who you were going to associate with, not as a punishment, not as a reward, not something that you've necessarily done wrong. You just lack the wisdom at that point in time in your life of how to make a wise decision about a partner. And you also lack the wisdom of how to have a wholesome relationship. And because of that lack of wisdom, you didn't understand this natural law. So therefore, you had this partner and you did certain things in the relationship that produced certain results. And now you're still having to deal with that old gamma. That's some examples, past decisions. Even this physical body, when we come into the world in this life, this physical body that we inhabit, it's based on our decisions in our previous lives. So if we were born with any particular birth defects or uh, deformities or something like this, we haven't started making decisions yet in this life to produce those things. So if we're born into the world and lacking certain functions, this is based on our old gamma from past decisions in our past lives. But then this new gamma is based on current decisions. Things that we're doing right now is going to produce new gamma. 
So as we make decisions on our intention, speech, and actions, for example, by making those in wholesome ways, we will experience more and more wholesomeness because we're creating this new gamma. Or if we make unwholesome decisions now in the present moment, then that new gamma is going to be unwholesome. So the goal would be to learn this wisdom, make more and more wise, wholesome decisions that create new gamma. So if in the past you've been making unwise decisions that have been leading to struggles and difficulties in your life, that's just because you've lacked the wisdom and now you're experiencing the results of those decisions, which in some cases it might be a struggle or it might be difficult for you because these decisions from the past are coming back to you. But now in the present moment, you can create new gamma based on wholesome gamma. So you can create this new wholesome gamma that now produces better results through wise decisions, through your intention, speech, and actions. So let's see what questions you guys have so far on this content that I've shared. Again, you can put that into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom, and we'll be sure that your question gets asked during the class, or you can raise your hand and ask your question directly. I was wondering if decisions that we make in a past life can come back and affect us now by things that happen to us. Yes, they can. But it's not this mystical, magical, dark cloud that's following us. Let me give you some example. Let's say somebody was born in a previous life and they were murderous in their past life. Say they were a murderer. They murdered 5, 10, 15, 20 people. But they never, ever really experienced the results of those decisions to a high degree. They only experienced certain aspects of the results of those decisions. Well, when they die in that past life, of course, they're going to go down to the lower realms and they're going to experience those lower realms. But eventually they're going to make their way back up to the human realm. And when they do, it's not that there's this black cloud following them that's haunting them from their past decisions. But instead, what it is, is they still have craving in the mind to murder and to harm people. And now when they come into this new life, this craving from their previous lives is going to come into the mind of this new being in this new life. And now in this new life, with that craving to harm people, they're going to go around and harm people. And because of the harm they're creating in this life, they're now going to experience the results of that. So they're going to be experiencing a rebirth in the lower realms as a result of their previous lives. And then as they're coming up from the lower realms, they're going to be born into more difficult, challenging decisions in this life. And then being born into more difficult, more challenging decisions in this life, that craving that they still have in the mind is going to produce unwholesome results in this life based on decisions that they're making in this life as well. We have a question from Adrian. So if we have experienced abuse, it's what we do with that experience or wisdom that generates our karma. Yes, the abuse itself is our gamma. It's, remember, not punishment. We don't deserve this abuse, but it's just a result of our decisions. But then once you experience certain aspects of life, yes, from that point, now you realize, whoa, I'm in an abusive relationship here. Now what should I do in order to improve this and resolve this and move past it? So our gamma 
is that unbiased teacher, the results of our decisions. If we made a decision to be with a certain partner, for example, and then we have this great relationship, three months, six months, a year, and then all of a sudden our partner starts getting into drugs and alcohol and they start becoming abusive to us. Well, if we stay in that relationship, that's a result of our decisions and any abuse that we experience, that's a result of our decisions. Remember, we don't deserve it. It's not punishment, it's not that. It's that we're choosing to stay in that relationship knowing that this person is diving into drugs and alcohol and now this abuse that comes to us is a result of our decisions. But once we see that, that is that unbiased teacher showing us, hey, you haven't made wise decisions here. Your partner is into substances that cause heedlessness. There's hostility and aggression that just keeps getting higher and higher. They're starting to abuse you. They're starting to do other unwholesome things. You would be wise to either resolve this and clean this up or move past this relationship and decide to move on. So the Buddha is not going to tell you whether you should end the relationship or stay in the relationship, but that gamma that's coming back to you, the result of your decisions of seeing that abuse happen from that point, then you can make wise decisions to move past this, either clean up the relationship or you may need to end the relationship and go forward. We have another question from Adrian. As a social worker, I have come across generation upon generation of abuse, neglect, addiction, etc. Under the law of karma, are we obligated to help others with karma? Or is the karma generated only connected by what we can do to help these people? You're never obligated to do anything. You're not required to do anything. But if you're in the role of a social worker, you know, you've taken on the responsibility and decided that, okay, I'm going to help people who come to me with these social challenges. And the more that you understand the natural law of gamma, the more that you actually will be able to help people because the reason why people have these challenges where there's constant abuse and constant uh, maybe drugs and substances that cause heedlessness and challenges in families is because they don't understand the natural law of karma. They're lacking the wisdom of this natural law. So if you've decided to be a social worker or you continue to do that, I think you're retired from that now. But if you were in that role currently, the more you understand the natural law of karma, you'd be able to kind of guide these people and help them see that the situations they find themselves in are a result of their decisions and they can move beyond that and they can transcend that with wisdom with the wisdom of this natural law that's what allows us to make wiser and wiser decisions and move past it so these generational problems that we experience it's not that it's in our genes to be an alcoholic for example it's not that it's in our genes to be a certain way what it is, is that our mind is being conditioned from being in a family that lacks wisdom. We see mom and dad arguing and being hostile. We see mom and dad using drugs and alcohol. So then as a child, that leaves a certain impression with us. And we choose those same choices because we lack the wisdom, because we didn't grow up with parents that understood this wisdom and that we shouldn't be doing those things. So it's not that it's in our genes to be an alcoholic, it's that our mind never gained the wisdom of how to deal with problems in a wholesome way. 
all we saw growing up was yelling and hollering and hostility. We saw that when people got angry, they throw things and they drink alcohol and they use drugs. So as a child, when we get older, that's what we end up doing. Where conversely, if we were in a family that understood this wisdom, that whenever there's a conflict or a challenge, we sit down, we talk, we discuss things as a family, we come to some resolution and some solution, then the child growing up learns this wisdom growing up. So now when they have a family and they get older, they have the skills and the wisdom because they've eradicated ignorance. They now have the wisdom to make wholesome decisions of how to conduct themselves in the world and have a family. They know not to revert to drugs and alcohol, for example. They know that hostility and aggression doesn't lead to anything wholesome. So therefore, they'll make wiser choices in their own life. So this generational problems that we see, it's because we're part of a family unit that just lacks wisdom. And that's the beauty about where we are right now in our life, that if you're 20 years old, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 years old, if you had a difficult and challenging upbringing where you didn't get the wisdom growing up, well, now later in life, knowing that now you can do things like this, where you can join programs to learn about these natural laws and you can gain this wisdom at 30, 50, 80 years old that you didn't gain when you were five years old or 10 years old. So we can improve the condition of the mind and the condition of our life, recognizing that we lack the wisdom from when we were growing up as children. What's kind of quarantine now? Hello, teacher. Hello, um, quarantine. So if, if one have uh, created bad karma or unwholesome karma in previous life and uh, is now in this life experiencing the result and was unwholesome results, then is by, by practicing wholesome, wholesome intention, speech and action that he can clean his karma? Exactly. That's what we're going to be talking about today. That's one of the ways to clean up our past decisions is by now learning and gaining this wisdom. Now we make wise decisions and we essentially clean out this unwholesome gamma from the past by making new decisions that are based on this natural law of gamma. So if you think about like a hose, if a hose has a whole bunch of dirty water in it, well, how do you get clean water to come out the other end? Well, you got to put clean water in the back end to flush out all that dirtiness. And once you flush out all that dirty water, then you've got a constant stream of clean, pure water coming out of the hose. But if you keep putting dirt in that hose, then dirt's going to keep coming out the front side of that hose. So what the Buddhist teachings are doing and what you're gradually transforming in your life is to make wiser and wiser, more and more wholesome decisions so that you're putting clean water into this hose, but you're gradually going to be kind of flushing out the dirt of this hose from dirt that was put into that hose in the past. But the more you flush clean water through this hose, eventually you'll get all the dirt out and you'll get nothing but pure water coming out the other end because the mind has been purified. It's now making wise, wholesome decisions consistently over a long-term period of time. Okay, thank you, teacher. You're very welcome. We have a question from Denise. Could my illnesses, like my recent cold, be the results of my karma for not making a better decision than taking care of my body? Yes, absolutely, Denise. See, you're seeing it. Rather than just believing this, you're starting to see it, right? That by us making wiser decisions about 
our health and how we associate in the world, then we're going to experience different results. You know, with this COVID-19, this is why it's really important that we base our decisions based on what's going on with scientists and what the professionals and the experts are telling us. If they're sharing with us, hey, it's important to social distance, or it's important to wear a mask, or it's important to get a vaccine, or these kind of things. While we don't necessarily want to just run out and believe everybody about everything, we can kind of think this through. But when we look at the evidence, we can see that, yeah, COVID-19 is in fact a real thing. It's not a conspiracy. It's really here. There's truly people all over the world that are dying from that. And we've got all these experts everywhere sharing with us it would be wise to social distance to maybe even stay in your home for extended periods of time for lockdown when you go outside wear a mask you might be interested to consider to get a vaccine there's all these different decisions that we make about our own personal health and if we get sick with something like covid 19 this is a result of our decisions that we were in an environment where we were able to contract the virus. Maybe we weren't wearing the mask. Maybe we didn't get the vaccine. Maybe we went out into the public too frequently. Maybe we were too close to people, these kind of things. But even common colds and flus and things like this that we contract, yeah, this is a result of our decisions too because as we go out in the world, we're gonna have certain sicknesses. The body can't be permanently healthy. It's not possible for it to be permanently healthy but we can make wise decisions to improve our health and make sure that we experience improved health and minimize our sickness. We will still experience sickness as long as we're in the human body. The human body is not permanent, health is not permanent, so we will experience sickness, but we can improve the quality of our health and the longevity of our health by making wise, wholesome decisions about our food, our exercise, our mental health, uh, where we travel and how we associate when there's something like a pandemic in the world and things like this. So this is where we use the input from experts and scientists and doctors to inform our decisions. And then we make wise decisions based on this input that we get from the various professionals and experts around us. Let's get a pass on that. Marian has a question. She says, you described someone who is an adult who can make choices if they are abused. What about the infant who is being abused? They don't have, they don't yet have the wherewithal to make a choice to leave or end the abuse. Are you saying that they were born into being abused because in the past life they were unwholesome? So now in rebirth, this is their karma? So remember that when we are reborn into a new family, that is our karma to be reborn, right? Because we didn't attain enlightenment in a past life, so we are going to be reborn. What family we're born into is a result of our decisions from our past life. Does this family have wisdom? Do they have wealth? Do they have uh, influential status in the world? That's based on our previous gamma. If we experience abuse as a infant or as a toddler, it's not punishment. We're not being punished for things that we did in the past, but because of our decisions of having not attained enlightenment, 
in certain things that we did in our past, yes, we might experience abuse. And while at three years old, you can't make a decision to leave your family at that point, we weren't born into a new family in order for us to get abused. But just because of being reborn and because of being reborn into a family that lacks wisdom, we experience this abuse as a child. So it's important to be sure that you don't think of it as punishment or that we deserve this abuse. It's just a result of having been reborn and being reborn into a family that lacks certain wisdom. Oftentimes the mind wants to immediately go to punishment and rewards, especially if that's what you were taught growing up. But that's not what the natural law of gamma is. It's just cause and effect or action and result. That because we lacked wisdom in the past and we didn't make wise decisions, we ended up needing to be reborn. And the place that we were reborn in terms of the families that we were reborn into was a result of our previous decisions. But that wasn't to say that we were placed in this family in order for us to get abused or that we deserve that abuse or that abuse is a punishment. That's not what the natural law of Gama is saying at all. Well, does this also apply to wholesome Kama? I mean that uh, now we're having this human uh, rebirth and we have access to these teachings that lead to enlightenment. This is a result of wholesome Kama, previous wholesome Kama, Exactly. Just the fact of being reborn into a human life is a result of our previous wholesome decisions. We wouldn't have arrived into the human realm if we hadn't made a certain amount of wholesome decisions in the past just to be able to get here in the human birth because this is the ideal place to be able to learn and practice, cultivate our mind and develop it to attain enlightenment. So just being reborn as a human is the most ideal aspect of this whole cycle of rebirth by being here this is a result of our wholesome gamma and then now that you've found the buddhist teachings and you have the ability to now learn them to reflect on them to practice them and improve the condition of your mind this is a result of your decisions this is cause and effect these are all wholesome decisions so every time you sit down to meditate and you experience the results of that decision, that your mind is more peaceful, it's more calm, it has less pollution, and therefore you experience better results that day and maybe for multiple days after that. As you build up your practice more and more in these teachings, this is a wholesome gamma. This is a result of your decisions that by learning this wisdom, it's producing more and more results. And I think when you see the next few things that I'm going to talk about, which we dive into what creates wholesome gamma and what creates unwholesome gamma that a lot of these questions that you guys are coming up with you'll understand a bit more thanks teacher no more question all right so now let's talk about how we produce unwholesome gamma and then after this we'll talk about how we produce wholesome gamma because all unwholesome gamma comes to be created and originates in the world based on craving anger and ignorance the unknowing of true reality these are the three poisons the three unwholesome roots the three fires that we talked about last week 
that's why we had that chapter first and now we're having this chapter today is because you needed to understand what is craving anger and ignorance or this unknowing of true reality to understand that that pollution in the mind is going to produce unwholesome decisions it's going to produce unwise decisions because the mind is polluted with this longing, this yearning, this strong eagerness, this chasing after the objects of our affection. That's always going to produce unwholesome results because we're pursuing things based on craving, desire, greed, attachment, wants, expectations. That's going to produce unwholesome karma. Then when we don't get our cravings fulfilled, we experience this anger, this hatred, this ill will, this hostility, this resentment, this aggression. That's going to motivate unskillful intention, speech, and actions, which again, when we put that out in the world, it's going to produce unwholesome gamma or unwholesome results. Then with this ignorance or this delusion, this unknowing of true reality, not knowing these wholesome teachings, the mind is then going to make unwise decisions that aren't in line with these teachings. We're going to choose to kill. We're going to choose to steal. We're going to choose to have sexual misconduct in some cases. We're going to choose to lie. We're going to choose to take substances that cause heedlessness. We're going to do these things because we lack the wisdom. We have this ignorance or this unknowing of true reality. We're going to use wrong speech. We're going to do these things that the Buddha taught us that, hey, these are unwise things and these are wise things with this ignorance or this unknowing of true reality of these natural laws we're going to do things in the world based on this unknowing of true reality or this ignorance so these three poisons these three unwholesome roots these three fires are the originating cause of all unwholesome gamma in the world ourselves and then other people too when they're experiencing unwholesome results it's going to all be based in this craving, anger, and ignorance in the mind. But that craving, anger, and ignorance is impermanent. It's pollution in the mind that exists in the unenlightened mind. But as we train the mind and clear out this pollution, we can now move to the wholesome roots, where the wholesome roots are generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. And when we practice these wholesome roots, this is going to create wholesome gamma. So instead of having craving where we want everything to be our way, we chase the objects of our affection, we have these selfish desires. Instead of that, we now transform the mind and start practicing generosity where we're willing to give and share and help others with our time, effort, energy, and resources. And that is eliminating that selfishness, that craving, desire, attachment, by now practicing generosity, we transform the mind and now our decisions are motivated out of generosity. Rather than practicing anger, this hostility, this aggression, this ill will, we transform that to loving kindness, this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well, this active goodwill, and by practicing loving kindness and making decisions through loving kindness with an interest to see others be well and practicing this harmlessness, now our decisions and our intentions, speech and actions are motivated through loving kindness. And then when we gain the wisdom of these teachings through learning, reflecting and practicing them to see the truth, independent verification 
of these teachings and then we gain that wisdom and we see it with our own eyes now with this wisdom of the things like the three universal truths the four noble truths the eightfold path the five precepts the three poisons the middle way all the other things that we're going to be sharing in this program with the knowledge and wisdom of this natural law of gamma we now have this wisdom that we start making decisions through wisdom having eradicated more and more of this ignorance or the unknowing of this true reality and by now practicing generosity loving kindness and wisdom making all of our decisions through that now our intention speech and actions become skillful we're making wise decisions that lead to wholesome results because the mind is now functioning through the wholesome roots we've uprooted these unwholesome roots and we've replaced it with these wholesome roots so we're kind of moving in more and more of this wholesomeness into the mind through our practice of training in meditation but also in our daily life we're moving in more and more of this generosity loving kindness and wisdom and as we do that pushes out and transforms those unwholesome roots so that now we're no longer making decisions that lead to unwholesome results and this is how when in the past we were making decisions through craving anger and ignorance this is putting that dirt in the hose we were constantly putting this dirt in the hose and then we were getting dirty water out the other side and we we're like what's going on here and we struggle and we're having difficulties because we have all this dirty water coming out the end of the hose but now when you learn these teachings and you start learning how to practice them you put generosity loving kindness and wisdom you put this pure wholesomeness through this hose and it starts kicking out this dirt and starts cleaning up this dirt out of the hose and now we've got more and more pure water flowing through this hose and now we're like wow look at all this clean water everything's been purified we're making wiser decisions and we're seeing better results in our personal and professional relationships and you'll see that kind of trickle effect where when you turn on the hose and it's like and then you get a constant flow of water you know it's very rare that you turn on a hose and you just get one constant flow it kind of has to spit and spit and spit so as you're transforming your mind where in the past you were just making decisions through craving anger and ignorance and all this dirty water was coming out now you start injecting this wholesome decisions these wise decisions into this hose and you start getting little spurts of dirt here and there but you also see these little glimmers of hope you see these little glimmers of wholesomeness for a couple of hours or a couple of days or a couple of weeks and you observe like wow the relationships are going so much better and the mind is feeling better too after doing this work and you might feel a few hours or a few weeks of wholesomeness and peacefulness but then boom here comes some more dirt based on decisions that you made in the past that you weren't making wise decisions there and now you've got to clear this out and you've got to deal with this challenge now through these wholesome roots where in the past where somebody was hostile and aggressive with you you might have just been hostile and aggressive back because you were functioning through craving anger and ignorance where now you start to understand okay this person's being hostile and aggressive with me it's not wise to be hostile and aggressive back because that's just putting harm out and the more i argue with this person 
the more hostility is going to come my way. Let me practice generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. That might mean that you just ignore what's going on. That might mean that you walk away from the relationship or walk away from the conversation. That might mean that you try to talk with this person with generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. There's lots of right decisions here. You just got to find the ones that are working for you. But at least you know what the wrong decision would be, which would be to be hostile and aggressive back. That's not going to solve the problem when people are being hostile and aggressive with you. It's not going to solve the problem to be argumentative and hostile and aggressive back. So now you start transforming your behaviors and you start functioning with skillfulness. So this is how to eliminate unwholesome gamma, which is essentially what we were just talking about. But a little bit more detail is it's the eightfold path that is going to help you understand the wholesome teachings of how to improve your life practice and generate wholesome gamma. So in the past where we were functioning through craving, anger, and ignorance, putting all this dirt into this hose, well, now what we do is we put all this wholesomeness into our life through practicing the Eightfold Path, right view all the way through to right concentration. By us practicing all the steps of the Eightfold Path, which is right view, accepting that responsibility, seeing that we cause our own discontentedness, understanding that we can eliminate our discontentedness, understanding that the mind is craving permanence, and as long as it's craving permanence, it's going to keep causing itself discontentedness. Then understanding this right intention, practicing renunciation, repracticing non-ill will, practicing harmlessness, practicing right speech, those five factors of well-spoken speech, speaking at the right time, what we say is true, speak gently, speak beneficially with a mind of loving kindness. Then we practice right action, not causing harm with our bodily actions. And the Buddha gave details on that. Cleaning up our livelihood and the way we sustain our life, ensuring that we're not practicing any of the wrong livelihoods. Then practicing the mental discipline of the Eightfold Path, that right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, which includes meditation and doing that regularly, having awareness of mind or mindfulness throughout our day, applying right effort to eliminate unwholesome qualities and arise wholesome qualities. So there's this whole entire Eightfold Path that is helping us to understand how to develop a life practice that only produces wholesome gamma. But we need to be doing that over an extended period of time in order to put more and more clean water into this hose and flush out all the old gamma, all the old decisions that we made that put dirt into this hose. We gotta flush all that out. And it's gonna take a few years or you know, a year or two or three at least to flush all that out and kind of clean up the relationships that we have around us, or maybe in some cases, end our relationships with certain people. Or maybe we need to change our job and move to another job if we're practicing wrong livelihood. We need to make these wise, gradual, consistent decisions on an ongoing basis to now clean up our life practice, putting more and more clean water into this hose. Through learning and practicing the Eightfold Path, we're producing only wholesome gamma. The more that we bring our practice up to the Eightfold Path, 
we're putting more and more wholesomeness into our life practice, into our decisions and into our relationships. And we essentially extinguish all of our unwholesome karma from the past. Any past decisions that we made, either in this life or previous lives, we can extinguish that in this life and get to the point where we have nothing but clean water coming out of the other end of the hose. But in order to do that, we have to make sure we deeply understand this eightfold path and practice it consistently. As we're cleaning up our gamma with more consistent, wise, wholesome decisions, there's going to be relationships that we are dedicated to. And we know that this relationship is one that we would like to clean up. We would like to improve. We would like to see it get on better footing. And we will apply effort and energy to bring that relationship to a better, more stable platform, a better foundation. And we'll gradually improve that relationship. And then there's other relationships in our life that we might realize that they're so toxic and there's so much pollution there, both for yourself and the other person, that it's almost impossible to clean this up because maybe the other person isn't ready to do that or maybe you're not prepared to do that. Maybe it's not a significant enough relationship for you to even take the time, effort, and energy to do that. It might be better to just move on, is just move on from the relationship and not look back and just kind of go forward learning the things that you learn and now with this new wisdom just go forward in life and this is how you clean up your karma because situations like if you have children these are long-term relationships that you're probably going to be involved in their life for an extended period of time well if in the past you've lacked the wisdom of these teachings and you've made decisions that have led to a challenging relationship Well, now that you're getting this wisdom, you're not going to just probably cut off your children and kind of leave them and walk away from them. Although some people, you know, do choose to do that and that's their choice. But most likely what you would like to do is try to apply this wisdom as a way of cleaning up your relationship with your children. Or if you have a certain life partner that sometimes things are good with you guys, sometimes things are a bit challenging. Maybe this is a relationship you'd like to dedicate some time, effort, and energy to clean up and to improve. Or maybe with your parents or some siblings or things like this. But then there's going to be these other relationships that could actually be maybe a life partner or maybe just a friend or an acquaintance that you've been around. And every time you're around this person, there's always hostility. There's always aggression. It's always a struggle. You have trouble understanding them. They have trouble understanding you. There's just fights and arguments. And it's been that way consistently for a really long period of time you might decide, you know what, it's probably better if I just move on from this. Maybe it's a boyfriend, maybe it's a girlfriend, maybe it is a life partner. Maybe now is a time where you feel like, okay, there's been enough effort here and it makes sense for me to move on from this relationship. That's where you have to decide. The Buddha is not going to tell you, and I'm not going to tell you, whether you should keep a relationship or end a relationship, because that's a decision that you have to make based on your own decisions. But what you can do now is as you learn and practice this Eightfold Path more and more, you can practice this in the relationships that you have, both personally and professionally, and see what kind of results you can experience and see how this might clean up the relationship. You're not trying to change the behavior of the other person. Instead, you're improving your conduct. You're improving your intentions, your speech, your action, 
And by you doing that over a consistent long-term period, you might notice that the other people around you start to choose to function differently. But that's their choice. It's not that you're trying to change them, but instead you're focusing on your own practice. And by you improving your practice, that now when you start practicing right speech, you might notice six months or a year into that, your relationships start to gradually change. So in your life, if you've kind of got this log jam where everything's kind of bound up and you take this log of hostility and aggression out of the equation, now the logs might flow a little bit better. And now you take this wrong speech out and now the logs flow a little bit better. Or you take this wrong intention or this wrong actions, you maybe improve your conduct in terms of the five precepts. If you haven't been practicing the five precepts very closely, you improve your practice of those and now all these logs start to flow a bit better in your life. So there's gonna be some relationships where you need to clean those up and you're dedicated to doing that and maybe even the other person's interested in doing that too and maybe they're not. But you're really dedicated to seeing this through and maybe seeing if you can create some improved results here. In other relationships, it might just be wiser to just kind of move on. And that's a decision that you'll have to make. I can provide you guidance and thoughts and things to think about, but I won't tell you whether to surely end a relationship or surely keep a relationship because that's a decision that you have to make. I would just give you things to think about and consider as part of your journey on this path. So let's see what questions you guys have here. And then we're going to talk about the laws of society and how the legal system and justice system kind of affects our lives as well as part of this natural law of gamma. Let's start off with a question from Adrian. Are doing things like apologizing or doing restitution helpful in eliminating bad karma or generating good karma? Yes, that's part of cleaning up our karma, right? Like if we're involved in a conversation and we become hostile and aggressive and we realize it because we have mindfulness now and you realize, whoa, I'm not practicing right speech here. Let me take the effort to cut that off, even mid-sentence, cut off the aggression, cut off the arrogance, cut that off and just apologize. And that's a way to clean up your gamma and make it more clean. Or like if you're involved in a neighborhood and say your child or even you uh, break something of somebody else's and you know you broke it and rather than just be like well it's not my fault you know you got insurance you fix it instead it would be wise to apologize to see if there's a way that you can make amends see if there's a way that you can provide restitution whether through your own insurance company or maybe out of pocket as you see that you're causing harm in the world you can clean that up through apologizing and through things like restitution. This is a really, really helpful way for you to keep your gamma clean. Bailan, when he was in his other school, we moved him to a new school this year, but there were some challenges that he was having in first and second grade and even had some in pre-K as well, where there was like a little girl one time that he bit her finger and there was another situation where he did something else to somebody. I think he tried to kick some boy. He didn't actually make contact, but he tried to kick this boy. In each one of these situations, we sat him down. We make sure that he understood where he could do better next time. And then we talked him through how can we clean this gamma up. 
And we asked him, you know, did you apologize yet? And he said, no, I didn't do that. So we kind of devised this plan where the next day he would go to school and he would apologize. But in addition to that, we went out and we bought the little girl flowers that he tried to bite her finger. So instead, the next day he came to school with an apology and some flowers for the little girl or the boy that he tried to kick. We went out and bought him like a little matchbox car. And he went to school with an apology and he gave this little boy a matchbox car and apologized for trying to kick him. And this was helping him to learn that, okay, we make mistakes and that's part of this path. Bailan is not yet enlightened, so he's making mistakes. He doesn't have full wisdom and he doesn't have full control over his mind and over his moral conduct. He's lacking wisdom. So then we help him understand how to clean up his gamma by apologizing and doing things like taking little gifts to school as a way of clearing out his gamma and keeping it clean. And in those situations, him and his friends were able to then rejoin and now have a healthy relationship because he accepted responsibility for his mistakes. He saw that, he gained the wisdom, and then he worked to clean that up. And then as we observe that he makes any other mistakes, then it's much easier for him to understand how to improve that. And these are things that we can do as adults as well, where we see that we're making mistakes in our personal or professional life. We can use these lessons in order to clean up our gamma and create better results for ourselves. Because remember that wholesome roots, generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. Well, when we have the wisdom that we produced unwholesome gamma, now let's practice generosity. Let's be generous. Let's give a little gift. Let's make restitution. Let's practice loving kindness by saying I'm sorry, by apologizing, letting them know that we accept responsibility and that we were wrong. And where is this coming from? It's coming from wisdom, from the Buddhist teachings. So when we see that we've made decisions through craving anger and ignorance, that unknowing of true reality, now we can clean it up with some generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. I was wondering, David, if we do something good in the expectation of something good being returned to us, whether that be reputation or simply good eggs, how does that relate to our comment? Can you say that again? I was focused on drinking water. I usually only do one thing at a time. <laughs> I was wondering if we do something good, but our expectation is to receive something in return, whether that be reputation or some good act coming back to us, even from karma, how does that affect our karma? That negates any kind of wholesomeness because the reason why somebody's doing that good stuff is because of craving. They're craving a better reputation, so they're only doing something good because of this craving. So they're actually functioning through the unwholesome roots, so it's going to have unwholesome decisions. So the, the decisions weren't pure out of generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. They were actually tainted or polluted with craving, anger, and ignorance. Thank you. We have a couple questions from Rhea. How do we transcend our bad karma? that we accumulated in our past life and why do bad things happen to good people is that a part of their karma so the way that we transcend this unwholesomeness from our past lives is based on what we were sharing is that you now start producing wholesome decisions through the eightfold path and through these three wholesome roots 
we put dirt in the hose in the past, but that's not permanent. We can now put in this wholesomeness through practicing the wholesome roots, and that clears out this unwholesomeness from the past. So we're not destined to uh, experience misery for the rest of our life. That misery, despair, those challenges, those unwholesome results that we created through our unwholesome decisions in the past can all be rectified, improved, and cleaned up because they're impermanent. And now through practicing the Eightfold Path and using the three wholesome roots to our advantage, we can now practice in a way that cleans up our life practice. And now that cleans up the results of our past decisions. In terms of why do bad things happen to good people? Well, when you say somebody's a good person, you're viewing that through your own perspective, through your own perceptions of what you perceive to be good. And you also don't see that person's entire life. So while you might be judging somebody as good, you haven't seen all of their actions throughout their entire life and everything that they've experienced, all the decisions they've made in this life and in past lives. And you're also perceiving their goodness through what you currently understand as being good or being wholesome. If you don't understand the three wholesome roots and you don't understand the Eightfold Path and your mind is not currently enlightened, then that means that you still have pollution in the mind. So when you're looking at somebody and you're judging them as being good, you're doing that through your own pollution of mind because you're not seeing the whole picture and you don't understand 100% of what the Buddha called final knowledge. You haven't attained final knowledge yet. When you attain enlightenment, you've acquired final knowledge where you now have accumulated enough wisdom to fully eradicate craving anger and ignorance. And you're now practicing these good, wholesome teachings fully. And the mind now isn't experiencing discontentedness. So you've acquired final knowledge. And when you look out in the world as an enlightened being, you see things very clearly. And you know that while you might be observing this person as being wholesome, that you don't have the complete picture, the complete story. So there's going to be things that happen because you're not seeing the whole picture. And also that other person, if they're not enlightened, they're still going to experience unwholesome things happening to them because they haven't extinguished all of their unwholesome gamma. As part of extinguishing craving, anger, and ignorance, and eliminating and eradicating those, which also go down to the 10 fetters, once you eliminate and eradicate all the 10 fetters, those three poisons, now you're producing only wholesome gamma, the mind is enlightened, you're making only wholesome decisions in the world. But until that point, you are unenlightened or this other person is unenlightened. So they're going to be experiencing a certain amount of wholesomeness in their life, but they're also going to be experiencing a certain amount of unwholesomeness too, because they haven't cleaned up their life practice a hundred percent to now only produce wholesome decisions. So you might only be seeing certain wholesome decisions that they're making, but they're also making unwholesome decisions that you haven't observed in this life and in previous lives. So therefore, you're going to see some wholesomeness and some unwholesomeness and some wholesome and some unwholesomeness. But once they clean up their practice and they actually get to enlightenment, they're only experiencing wholesomeness all the time. They're only experiencing wholesome results because they're only ever making decisions through these three wholesome roots, 
They're only ever making decisions through the Eightfold Path that only ever lead to wholesome results. So it's only an enlightened being that isn't going to be experiencing any more harm. Even that first, second, third stage of enlightenment, those beings still haven't extinguished 100% of their unwholesome gamma. So while they're experiencing a high degree of concentration, a high degree of equanimity, a high degree of focus and clarity of mind, their mind still isn't fully enlightened. So therefore, even in that first, second, and third stage of enlightenment, they're going to still be experiencing unwholesome results from their past decisions. So it's not until one gets to that fourth stage where the mind is actually enlightened as an otter hunt that this person has been making wise wholesome decisions for an extended period of time, and now there's no longer going to be any unwholesomeness coming back to them. So this goodness that you're perceiving, you're perceiving that through pollution, you're not seeing the whole picture, and that person isn't enlightened yet, that's why they're still experiencing unwholesome results. They haven't yet cleaned up their entire practice to experience nothing but wholesomeness in their life. It's kind of awesome now. Anand has a question. She says, in my experience, it has been more challenging to understand unwholesome past karma because the concept of rebirth has not been fully investigated enough to reveal any personal experience. How can I move forward with understanding the concept of karma accumulation better in this regard? Yeah, great question, Manal. All these questions are wonderful. You guys are doing an excellent job of not believing anything and investigating this. So thank you guys for all your dedication to asking these questions. If you haven't investigated the cycle of rebirth and you haven't seen any evidence of the cycle of rebirth at all, I always suggest people to put that to the side and not even be concerned about it. Because what happened in the past, it's in the past. What may or may not happen in the future with rebirth, it's in the future. It doesn't really matter. All that really matters is this present moment and making wise decisions in this present moment to lead to wholesome results. So while we understand that there's these decisions in the past that lead to results right now, this is our old gamma. While we understand that, there's nothing we can do to change those past decisions. All we can do is focus on the present moment, making wise decisions now. So even though we understand this link or this connection to the past, we don't have to worry about it. We don't even have to be concerned about it. All you need to do is focus on developing your wisdom so that you can practice this generosity, this loving kindness, and this wisdom now in the present moment and just know that all that unwholesomeness from the past will clear itself out as you're making more and more wholesome decisions now. The reason why it's important to teach you about old gamma is that you'll need to understand like, okay, for the last one week, I've made nothing but wholesome decisions. Why am I still experiencing unwholesome results? Oh, that's from your past decisions. So that's why we talk about old gamma and you need to understand old gamma. But since we can't change that and it's all in the past, you just focus right now in the present moment. Don't concern yourself with the cycle of rebirth. Don't even concern yourself whether the thing that's happening to you right now is a result of the past lives or this life. You don't have to sort all that out. All you have to sort out is, okay, this experience is happening. 
how can I now practice generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom to improve the results? This experience that I'm having is unfavorable. I would like to improve this. How can I do that through generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom, namely practicing the full path? So just stay focused on your present decisions and make sure any new gamma that you generate is all wholesome gamma as much as possible. And that will automatically clear out anything from the past. No more question for now. All right. So let's talk about laws of society. This is the last thing that I had to share with you guys. And then we can open up for questions on this and anything else related to the natural law of gamma. Essentially, it's important to understand that these laws that we make in society, these human laws, they're imperfect. They can never be perfect because they're made by human beings. We cannot create, implement, and enforce these things equally and fairly for all beings. They're imperfect. As soon as we try to create laws in this human world, we know that they're going to be errors. They're not going to be applied evenly and they're not going to be fair. So we shouldn't have the expectation or the craving, the desire, the wants for these to be perfect and realize that they are going to be imperfect. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't work to improve the laws and we shouldn't look to always make wise decisions and how we make laws as human beings. But the human laws that we create are always and forever going to be imperfect because these laws are being created by human beings and human beings have craving, anger, and ignorance. The mind is polluted. So when we try to put laws onto the books and when we try to create, implement, and enforce these, they're being created, they're being implemented, and they're being enforced by people who are functioning through craving, anger, and ignorance. So right away, we know that they're going to be imperfect. It's only the craving and desire for them to be perfect that is going to cause discontentedness in the mind. So to a certain level, you have to recognize that they're going to be imperfect, but that doesn't mean that you can't work to improve, to make them better, but we can do that through generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom rather than craving anger and ignorance. The natural law of gamma, this functions perfectly because it wasn't created by human beings, it's a natural law, it's functioning all the time. When we experience certain things in the legal system based on human laws, this is part of our gamma. So for example, if we kill another human being and we go through a legal proceeding in a court because of that, that is part of the results of our decisions, that we made the decision to kill another human being or an animal, and now we were caught and captured, and now we're going to court, and now we have to defend ourselves in this court of legal opinion. And in this court of legal opinion, these laws of society, that is the result of our decisions that we now go through that. We're either going to be found guilty or not guilty in this court of law. And again, that's going to be imperfect. It's not going to be applied fairly across all beings because everybody who's involved is a human being and they're mostly functioning through craving, anger, and ignorance. So the laws are not going to be applied equally across all people. Again, it doesn't mean that we stop trying for them to be applied fairly and equally to all people. It just 
the mind needs to understand on a certain level that they're imperfect and they're not going to be able to be applied equally and fairly, but we should still work to have that occur, right? So even going through that experience, that is our karma. Whether we're found guilty or not guilty, that's part of our karma as well. That if we're found guilty, there's certain consequences or punishments that we have as a result of that. But even in being found not guilty, we're still experiencing the consequences or the effects of our decision just by going through that legal proceeding. It's not the guilty or not guilty that is the end-all be-all of what we experience in terms of gamma. We still experience consequences that are beyond just what the legal system can deliver to us. So the consequences that we experience as part of these laws of society like jail or punishments or things like this, these are aspects of our gamma, but they're not the entire results of our decisions. So when we get a guilty verdict and we go to jail, yes, we go to jail and that's part of our results, but there's also all these other impacts that we experience in our life in terms of, let's say we go to jail for a certain number of years, that's not a very warm place to be. We're not experiencing wholesome environments. Maybe we're getting beat up. Maybe people are stealing from us. Maybe we don't eat good food. Maybe we lack the ability to make income. Maybe we don't have as good of education. We don't get to see our families. We don't get to do so many other things. And then when we come out from that prison or jail system, we are still getting the results of those decisions that we really struggle now that we're back out in society because we had this period of time where we were in jail. But also, if we are found not guilty, we still are experiencing the results of those decisions, having spent the money perhaps to go through the legal proceedings, the stress, the anxiety of going through the legal proceedings. If it's a well-known case and being put into the public eye, there's certain effects that come to us as a result of that. So it's not just the guilty or not guilty verdict that is the actual effects of our decision. There's all these effects in the mind and our relationships and in our life the consequences of our decisions really cascade from our decisions. There's then these consequences that cascade from there. So even if we're found not guilty in a certain situation, or if we're found guilty, we suffer things like bad reputation in the community. We end up having sickness and disease. This stress, this mental anguish causes certain sickness and disease. We experience certain physical and mental pain as a result of these things. We can even experience shorter lifespans as a result of this. We can experience hostility, aggression, fights, even be killed and murdered ourselves over certain unwholesome things that we do in the world. Whether we're found guilty or not guilty, we can still experience those things as a result of that same decision that maybe people are looking at a guilty, not guilty verdict as being the ultimate end-all be-all with the consequences, but we also experience these other consequences too outside of the public eye. We can have a loss of income or wealth because when people find out that we're a criminal or that we've had 
certain proceedings, even when being found not guilty, we can actually lose income and lose wealth and find it a real struggle to exist in the world because people aren't willing to give us a job and trust us any longer because maybe we killed somebody. We might have been found not guilty, but now people are aware of this in the community and they're not interested in giving us a job and we really struggle to kind of provide for certain things that we need in our life. And we don't have the same type of life had we not done those unwholesome things and broken those particular laws. We will have difficulties in relationships because whatever decisions we made to break the laws, for example, say we murdered or we stole or something like this, but we just weren't found guilty, we were found not guilty. Well, the same pollution of mind that led to that killing, that same pollution of mind that led to the theft, for example, it's still there in the mind. Even though we were found not guilty in court, this imperfect law that was being applied to us, even though we were found not guilty, that same pollution of mind is there. So we're going to struggle in our relationships because we're still making decisions through craving anger and ignorance. We're still doing that in the world. And even though we were found not guilty in this imperfect court, we can oftentimes struggle and have difficulties in countless relationships after the verdict has been delivered. We have trouble securing and progressing in our careers because of that craving anger and ignorance that's in there. That guilty verdict or not guilty verdict is just one facet of the crime in the gamma that we experienced as a result of that. But now we have all these cascading effects in terms of our employment and securing housing and acquiring necessities to sustain our life in the world. And then all of these things even culminate into discontentedness and continued discontentedness. That's part of our gamma as well. If we experience guilt or shame or fear, or we have certain loneliness because nobody wants to spend time with us because we have been in this high profile case, maybe we murdered somebody, maybe we were found not guilty, but then as all the spotlights go away, maybe people are kind of scared to be around us thinking that we're going to murder them too. And now we experience this loneliness and this boredom and this lack of ability to have resources to sustain our life. Because the crimes that we committed were based in craving anger and ignorance, that craving anger and ignorance doesn't go away with a not guilty verdict. So therefore, we're going to still be experiencing discontentedness because we're still making decisions beyond that court case through craving anger and ignorance. And if we don't eradicate this craving anger and ignorance, there's going to be rebirth, which is part of our gamma as well. So it's important that when you look at any particular legal proceeding that you're either involved in or that other people are involved in, that you don't look at the guilty verdict or not guilty verdict as the end-all be-all of consequences. Because there's consequences that are being experienced all the way through the whole spectrum of this person's life that can have a damaging effect to our life when we're interacting in the world that breaks these human laws. Even though those human laws are not perfect, when we break the ones that are also associated with the natural law of gamma, then we experience the results of the natural law of gamma. These laws in society, they can't be perfect. For example, we know that in the natural law of gamma, there's nothing 
unwholesome about having a relationship with the same gender, a male, male or female, female having a relationship together. There's no harm in that whatsoever. But these imperfect human laws in some countries say that it's illegal for two people to marry that are of the same gender. That's where you can see that these human laws are just imperfect because they're created through craving, anger and ignorance. They don't understand that there is no harm in two loving males being together or two loving females being together in a loving relationship. Humans, by and large, haven't really understood that until kind of modern times. We're just starting to kind of figure that out and restructure our laws according to that. But the Buddha understood this 2,500 years ago. If that's not amazing enough with all the other teachings that he shared, that's entirely amazing that he understood that 2,500 years ago. So our laws in society are imperfect and they are slowly, gradually kind of catching up to what the Buddha already knew 2,500 years ago. So it's important that when you see either yourself or friends or family or you see high profile cases in the courts that you don't look at the guilty verdict or not guilty verdict as the end all be all that's not the only aspect of gamma that they're experiencing it's one aspect but it's not the entire aspect so let's see what questions you guys have on this or any other aspects of the things that we were discussing today so to clarify when we look at some of the high profile court cases this across in America in the past weeks and years in which a person who killed a person was not held legally accountable, what you're saying is that this still affects their comma and their comma is inescapable. Absolutely. They can't run. They can't hide from that gamma. So even in situations where somebody has killed somebody and they claim self-defense, and they go to court and maybe they convince the people in that court that it was self-defense and now they've been found not guilty. They can't escape the fact that they've killed another human being. And when they go out in the world, there's going to be challenges that they experience. There's going to be certain hostility, aggression, fights. Some of these people are killed or they have people that attempt to kill them. They're going to find that they're going to have a loss of income, a loss of wealth, especially these high profile cases that people experience where they feel like, ah, this person should have been guilty. If you wait until the lights are out and you look back on some of these cases, you know, some of these cases happen in the past where you can go back and look. And now we have internet, you can go back and look at some of these people's lives that even when they were found not guilty, you look at the things that happened to them since that not guilty verdict. And boy, did they have a really difficult life and they're experiencing the consequences of those decisions now, even though they were found not guilty and they didn't go to jail on that particular issue. They're experiencing all kinds of issues from that unwholesome decision. They're going to continue to experience that in this life until they extinguish their unwholesome karma. When some of these court cases have come out, we've seen a lot of people experience very pleasant feelings and also very unpleasant feelings depending on the results. And I just wanted to ask you if you could speak about how that relates to karma and the teachings in general. 
Yeah, so if you experience pleasant feelings when somebody's proven guilty or not guilty, and you experience those pleasant feelings arise, that's because of your own craving, desire, attachment. You have a certain want, a certain expectation. You wanted them to be proven not guilty, and they were. So, ah, all these pleasant feelings arise. Or you wanted them to be guilty, and now they're guilty, and you feel all these pleasant feelings arise. Well, that's basing your inner feelings on this impermanent condition. And now the next court case rolls around and you thought they should be guilty and they're proven not guilty. And now you feel painful feelings. So you're allowing your inner feelings to be based on this impermanent condition because not every court case is going to be decided in the way that you think it should be. So rather than have craving, desire, attachment for these court cases to be found in the way that you perceive them that they should be either guilty or not guilty instead you just realize okay that person did something they're going to go through the legal system i know it's imperfect and you're not really in a position to make a decision of whether that person should be found guilty or not guilty because you don't understand the law 100 percent, and you don't understand the details of that particular incident or situation 100%. So the best thing you can do when these big high profile cases come into the news is if you'd like to be aware of them and understand what's happening, you can, but don't crave or have a want or an expectation of how the case should be resolved. Because if you have a craving, desire, attachment, a want to expectation for either a guilty verdict or a not guilty verdict, and it doesn't turn out the way you want, then you're going to experience painful feelings. But if it, it turns out the way that you want, you're going to experience these pleasant feelings. And now it's only a matter of time before that fades away. And in the next situation, you're not going to necessarily experience the same thing. So you might have a certain perception or a certain opinion of how this court case should be resolved, but your opinion, your perception is tainted with your own craving, anger, and ignorance. So when you look out into the world and you have this craving for things to be done a certain way, you're just setting yourself up to fail. You're going to experience discontentedness in one way or another, as long as you have that craving for things to be resolved, it's better to just let it go, realize that you're not in a position to make a decision, and whatever happens, happens. If they get found not guilty, and in your mind, you thought like, oh, they were probably guilty. Okay, so what? That's the way it happened. But they can't run from that gamma. Even they were found not guilty in the court of law, they're going to experience the results of those decisions. And there are some situations where people are found guilty when they're really not. You know, there's people who have been committed to prisons and jails for murder or rape and they've gone back and done DNA tests now, and they exonerate these people. After 10, 20, 50 years sometimes, they show that this person absolutely didn't commit this crime. But the thing is, is that while that happened, and that's unfortunate, we also don't know what else this person was doing. They might have been committing crime after crime after crime and never got prosecuted for it. And then they just happen to have this situation where they got roped into this crime based on their previous decisions of being involved in other crimes. And now they might have went to jail for that particular crime, 
but they didn't get processed and found guilty for these other crimes. So there's all this imperfection in this laws of society that we can't really see 100% clear because we're not involved in this person's life moment to moment to moment to moment. So the more you see the clarity of the natural law of gamma and you understand that people can't run and hide from their gamma and you understand that the court system is just one part of their gamma, then you can let go and stop wanting for people to have their case resolved in a certain way and just know with 100% confidence that the natural law of gamma is always functioning, whether they were found guilty and they really are not guilty, that's a result of their decisions. And if they're found not guilty when they're really guilty, well, that's a result of their decision. And there's going to be other consequences that they experience as a result of all of this. So just let go and don't allow the mind to have an expectation, a want, or a craving for things to be resolved in a certain way. When we do see a person convicted of killing a person, then we may have pleasant feelings. This, this can sometimes seem also very similar to ill will. Is this a place where we should be cultivating compassion even for people who may have killed someone? Yes, if there's someone who's a murderer, oftentimes people will immediately hate them, right? Especially if it's your family member or somebody close to you or someone that you had a a deep care for. The person's mind has craving desire attachment to their family member or a person in the community. And now that person has killed that person. And now because your mind is craving and attached to that relationship and you don't like this impermanence, you now falsely attribute these painful feelings to the murderer. And you think that they're the one who's causing your anger or your hostility or your painful feelings. But in reality, that person didn't cause your painful feelings. You're actually causing it yourself through your craving and your desire and your attachment to the person who was murdered. It's not correct for someone to go out and murder. We're not saying that it's proper or it's right for someone to murder. You know, of course, they're in the wrong for murdering. But you have to understand where these painful feelings are coming from. The murderer didn't create your painful feelings. You're causing them yourself through your own craving, desire, attachment. And if you can let go of that and not have that wrong view of associating your painful feelings to the murderer, now perhaps you can arise loving kindness and compassion. Doesn't mean you need to be best friends with this murderer. Doesn't mean you need to take them out to dinner or lunch, but at least you don't harbor resentment and anger for this murderer because it's not hurting them. It's only hurting you. When you harbor anger and resentment and hostility, it's only hurting your own contentedness. It's only hurting your own peacefulness. It's only hurting your own joy and inhibiting you from experiencing enlightenment. So when you correctly see with wisdom that you're causing your own discontent feelings based on your own craving, desire, attachment, you don't falsely attribute those to the murderer. You can just have a genuine interest in seeing this murderer be well. You can have concern for their misfortune. You can disagree with their intentions, their speech and their actions and all that they've done. You can disagree with that forever but at least don't allow the mind to become angry and resentful because that's only going to harm you. Let go of that and arise this wisdom 
and practice loving kindness where in the mind you can let this go and just wish this person to be well in the mind, have this concern for their misfortune. Again, you don't have to go out to lunch and dinner with them. You don't have to be best friends with them, but at least don't allow the mind to harbor this anger and resentment based on your own craving. That's what's causing it. The murderer didn't cause that. A lot of the court cases that we've been mentioning have related to injustices in society. So I was wondering, how can a practitioner effectively respond to injustice around them without generating negative karma? Right. So one of the things that we can do as you decide that you might choose to do this is you can be an activist. You can be someone who advocates for public policy. You might even lobby politicians or you might have a certain peaceful campaign in order to encourage and motivate and maybe educate people on a certain social issue that creates certain social change in the world. But as long as you do that with craving anger and ignorance, it's going to produce unwholesome results. So if there's this craving and this desire for everyone to immediately come to your side and agree with your opinion and you forcefully try to push this through and forcefully convince people of this, this is going to produce unwholesome results because of your craving. Or if you have anger and hostility and you go out and you riot and you destroy things and you break things up and you fight and you kill as a result of your uh, desire for people to see things your way, this is all coming from ignorance, this unknowing of true reality. And at the end of that, people are going to be looking at the experience and they're going to say, whoa, look at all this damage and this hostility. They're not even going to know what it was that you're advocating for because there's so much death and destruction or so much uh, hostility and abuse and, you know, all kinds of problems that were created. Maybe there was stealing or rioting or problems like this based on people disagreeing where if you're interested in improving this imperfect system of human laws, there's ways to do that peacefully. And that was where we would practice generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. I like to look at Martin Luther King Jr. for this because he's a perfect example of someone who had certain convictions, certain thoughts about how the world was kind of going in the wrong direction in terms of civil rights, And he said, you know what, I would like to incentivize and influence improvement in our human laws in order to create a better environment for people to have better civil rights. And it wasn't just Martin Luther King Jr., but it was a lot of other people that came together based on his leadership. And he said, "Okay, we're going to do this in a peaceful way. And he always looked at having peaceful protests where they would just come together quietly, you know, all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all different types of people would come together and just peacefully walk across the bridge or just peacefully sit at a counter and ask for service from a restaurant. He would just do these things peacefully. And if you look at his movement, he influenced enormous amount of change in America, but also across the entire world. He raised the understanding of civil rights to the forefront of people's minds in ways that we don't really see today. We don't see a whole lot of peaceful protests going on in the world, 
we're functioning more through craving, anger, and ignorance. Whereas if we are interested in improving society's laws because we know they're imperfect, then let's do that in a generous, loving kindness and with wisdom, and that will actually produce better results because when we do things peacefully, then we have a better chance of educating. That's the real problem. If you understand the real problem is this ignorance or this unknowing of true reality, then what we need to do is we need to educate and we need to bring attention. We need to bring this wisdom into our society so that people can understand where perhaps our laws are imperfect. But when we function through this craving, anger, and ignorance, people lose the wisdom. They can't see the wisdom because there's all this unwholesomeness going on. There's this killing. There's stealing. There's there's destroying of property. So people can't see the wisdom and they can't make better decisions because they're too busy dealing with all this unwholesomeness and putting people in jail for all the unwholesome things that they did. Where over here, when we do things peacefully, we're not destroying things. We're not creating unwholesome decisions. So therefore, we can bring better focus and better attention and gain this exposure and have this wisdom come into society of a better way to do things. And I think Martin Luther King Jr. did that from what I know in his life. He did that very, very well. When there is an unjust law, such as you were mentioning, laws against same-sex relationships, would one experience negative karma by violating this law that may be unjust? If there's countries that forbid same-gender relationships, and there's places in the world that do that, and you can actually go to jail for having a same-gender relationship. In that situation, if you have these relationships and they're exposed, then you're going to experience the results of these imperfect laws. And that's a result of being in that environment, being in that country, being in that governmental system. That's a result of our decisions that we're in that environment. Now, ideally, if you were able to leave that environment and have a relationship to your choosing, that would be ideal. But not everybody can actually do that. So if you choose to have a relationship knowing and understanding that the government has these laws, then that's your decision to do that. And there may be ways for you to do that without being exposed to the government for these laws that they have. But you have to be very wise in that situation to navigate that so that it's just you and and you're probably your partner that understand that you're going to keep this relationship to yourself and not expose it to other people because if you do there's this harm that you can experience through the court system so if you practice wisdom here that wholesome root of wisdom and navigating this you may be able to have a relationship and still avoid any prosecution from this imperfect law. Thank you, David. That's very helpful and very timely given much of what's going on in the world in the United States. Yes, we've got lots of imperfect laws in the world, but the more you understand the natural law of gamma, it's a perfect law. And when you function through this, then you'll be able to make wiser and wiser decisions leading to more wholesome outcomes. And your life will just become more and more peaceful because you're putting this cleanliness into the world through your wise, wholesome decisions. Let's go to quarantine now. Is there any such thing as society or group karma? 
like for example when a country get bombed or like thousand people dies yes there is so we all have individual gamma it's all based on our own individual decisions we are the owners the heirs of our gamma like the buddha said but then our individual gamma living in a population of people accumulates to something like what you said like you know getting bombed so if we think about back to the past where there's been countries that bomb another country just out of the blue you know there's just been this bombing well now when that bomb comes back to those people and they get bombed themselves that's a result of their decisions individuals in that society individuals in that country made the decision to go out and attack others so therefore they're being attacked as well or conversely if we don't think of the unwholesome side of it if we think about the wholesome side if you live in a community of people either in a neighborhood or a county or a state or a country that people are functioning with wholesomeness and they're making wise wholesome decisions then that environment's going to be very peaceful it's going to be very calm very serene lots of joyfulness there and more and more by associating with that population and being part of that neighborhood or that country or what have you the people in that country are experiencing more and more results the benefits of their wise and wholesome decisions one of the reasons why i live here in thailand is it's very very peaceful here people function in very wholesome ways and people tend to see that when they come to thailand they call it the land of smiles and they talk about how peaceful it is here and how calm it is here that's as a result of the decisions of the people here sure there's some unwholesome things that happen here as well too but as long as you're making decisions in the direction of wholesomeness you'll experience wholesomeness and there's places like thailand and others in the world that tend to be more peaceful because the people who are in these parts of the world are making wholesome decisions individually but it bubbles up to kind of a societal population that are all experiencing wholesomeness and the buddha talked about this too during his lifetime there was a population of people called the katias that had a lot of prosperity and they were experiencing a lot of wholesomeness in their population and he talked about how this population of people how they can continue to experience prosperity and wholesomeness through making wholesome decisions and we've got that situation today that there's some countries and some populations of people and there's some neighborhoods within some countries that tend to be experiencing better results than others it still boils down to individual decisions by individuals but it kind of bubbles up to kind of a, a group gamma yeah, thank you. you're welcome you're welcome we have a few miscellaneous questions on social media if you'd like to address those now um sure we can go ahead and take a few of those see see how it goes we have one from ridge previously my dog had bone cancer and was in a great deal of pain he would no longer eat so i could not give him pain medicine so i put him down i don't understand how that is not being compassionate could you please explain how what i did was unwholesome okay so as long as we're making decisions that are outside of the guidance that we understand it's going to produce unwholesome decisions so when we 
choose to kill another being, it's going to produce unwholesome results. And while we might be thinking that it's compassionate to kill this animal, I imagine, I don't know, but I imagine you had some sorrowfulness, that you might have had some guilt, or you might have experienced some discontentedness as a result of that killing. And you maybe weren't quite sure whether you were right or wrong about making that decision. And it might have produced some stress or anxiety in the mind. This is the results of your decisions. Whereas if you didn't choose to kill another being and you just know that it lived out its natural life and that you didn't participate in any killing, you can then reside completely content that you didn't contribute to any killing. But the thing is, is that your mind was craving pleasant feelings. Your mind experienced painful feelings seeing your dog go through the challenges that it went through. And because your mind was craving these pleasant feelings, you thought the way to get to those pleasant feelings is to kill the dog, and that's going to eliminate the painful feelings. But in reality, when you participated in that killing, it probably produced more painful feelings, I imagine. So this is how, by us participating in an unwise decision like killing, it's going to produce stress and anxiety in the mind, and that's a result of our decisions. And it would be best to allow animals to live out their natural life because that's going to help them to improve their rebirth in the next birth. They can't attain enlightenment in the animal realm, so they're going to need to be reborn. And by them experiencing their entire life, their entire natural life, they will actually experience better rebirth and have a better chance to escape the cycle of rebirth. The real problem that they're experiencing is not the sickness in that moment. The real problem that that being is experiencing is the cycle of rebirth. So killing them in order to alleviate the physical pain that you're experiencing isn't going to solve their problem of the cycle of rebirth. Letting them live out their natural life and then once they die, they're in a better and improved rebirth. This will help them escape the cycle of rebirth, which is the real problem that they're facing. We have a question from IA on YouTube. If the mind is so afraid of death and protects the self so much, how come it pushes so much to eat unhealthy foods or take substances which can lead to death? It's craving, anger, and ignorance. It's that craving, desire, attachment. The mind is polluted with these three poisons. And because we lack this wisdom, we lack this loving kindness, we lack this generosity, in the unenlightened state, the mind still craves this unwholesomeness and it doesn't have this wisdom and it isn't able to let go and completely transform. So even though you learn these teachings in the seven-month program, you can't get to enlightenment in seven months. It's just not going to happen that way. There has to be this gradual progress towards gaining wisdom and moving the mind to transform it. It's been polluted for this entire life and it's been polluted in all these previous lives. You can't transform it at the snap of a finger. So even though when someone learns that it's unwise to take substances that cause heedlessness, they can't just snap their finger and stop because the craving is too strong. The ignorance and unknowing of true reality is too strong. Or those other examples that you gave, there's just too much craving there. It's so powerful. It's not until we train the mind and we transform it with this path 
particularly breathing mindfulness meditation, generosity, these other teachings that we then reduce and eliminate the craving that we then can gain control and mental discipline over the mind to make wise decisions. And until we train the mind, we can't control the mind in the way that we need in order to make the wisest decision. And we still make these unwise decisions based in craving, anger, and ignorance. And Rich would like to know, should one set aside time for reflection on a daily basis? Is it best to reflect after one studies or after one meditates or both? All those times are good. There's not just one permanent answer, Rich. So reflection is really important. This is why spending time alone, spending time on walks in the park, you know, being alone in some places, it's like, that's like death to some people. They don't want to be alone because they're with their own thoughts. But how could you ever really progress if you don't spend time reflecting and being alone is the way for you to do that? So it is important to spend time alone. You don't have to set a permanent fixed schedule of exactly when you're going to be alone and how long you're going to be alone for, but you need to integrate that into your life where you go out to the movies, take yourself on a date, fall in love with yourself, spend time going to the movies by yourself, spend time walking in the park, go on holidays by yourself, take yourself out to dinner and be alone. Even if you've got a partner or children, do things alone sometimes. This is really going to help you to spend time and have that space to do the inner reflection and see the thoughts and ideas and various things that are in the mind so that you can eliminate the unwholesome and arise the wholesome. Thank you, David. Those are all the questions we have for today. All right. Well, this has been a really wonderful conversation. I would like to thank all of you for contributing your questions to this discussion. And even those of you guys that are just listening, either in the live class or on one of the replays, the more you learn about this natural law of gamma and you see the truth in it, then you will be able to make wiser and wiser decisions. Remember, none of this path is about belief. So today, perhaps you did some learning. Maybe you need to do a bunch of reflection on what's been shared. Maybe you even need to learn through listening to this multiple times. And then ultimately, after you've done that learning and reflection, start practicing where you're practicing the Eiffel Path and you're practicing generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. And as you do and you see the improvement to the condition of the mind and the condition of your life, then you have that reassurance. You have the confirmation that these teachings are in fact 100% truth and the Buddhist teachings are guiding you towards this improved condition of mind and this improved life. And I just would like to thank you all for contributing to this discussion because the more we investigate, the better that we can then learn, reflect, and practice to experience the results of this path. Next Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 10, which is titled, What is Merit? This is a particular type of wholesome gamma that we didn't talk about today. But now that you understand what gamma is, we can talk about this particular type of wholesome gamma and how to practice that in a way that brings wholesome results for you. So it's a fairly short chapter the way it's written, but we're going to talk about this and discuss it next week on Sunday. This Wednesday is our breathing mindfulness meditation class. I'm going to do a guided meditation. Now that we've done three series of classes where we did four classes of breathing mindfulness meditation, 
four classes of loving kindness and four classes of Buddhist chanting, we're now going to start rotating where we do breathing mindfulness one Wednesday, loving kindness the next. Breathing mindfulness one Wednesday, loving kindness the next. And we're going to be rotating this every Wednesday to help you build up your practice. And as part of that meditation that we do, we also open things up for questions. So any questions you have, not just on meditation, but anything on this path at all, you can bring into that Wednesday class and we open up to all questions. So I'll see you guys either next Sunday or this Wednesday, perhaps maybe even both. In the meantime, have a very lovely rest of your day. It's been a wonderful class. Thank you all to the moderators and to all of you for participating either in the live class or the replay. Have a lovely day. We'll see you next time. Sabadikap. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.